that was. I've never traveled far around the world. I've never seen the many thrills and sights unfurled. But I've taken the journey of journeys for me up Calvary's mountain, there my Savior to see. turn myself off, huh? I guess that was their intention probably up there. Okay. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I've got a new group of singles in our class from years ago, and so I've been, I've been uh, pulling out some of the old puns. They don't seem to appreciate them like uh, the other class loved them. I mean, it was just amazing, just amazing how they appreciated the humor and the wit of their teacher However, this group doesn't seem to. I'm just going to share just a couple of them to see if you can appreciate uh, the unbelievable humor that just comes and flows through me to them. For instance, two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. <laughs> see, exactly. My sentiments exactly. Yes. See? See, singles, I mean, really, a, a, just a very boring bunch. I went to a seafood disco last night, you can believe that, of course, and pulled a muscle. <clears throat> hey, did you hear about the boy who tried to catch fog? He missed. One more, just because I can tell you truly appreciate it. What did the beach say as the tide came in? Long time, no see. <laughs> All right. I feel much better now. I think now that I've been validated, I can move forward in the message this morning. 
I was relieved to find out that I'm not the only one who forgets things. Have you ever forgotten things? You find yourself forgetting a lot? Well, everybody does at one time or another, according to Karen Bola, a Johns Hopkins researcher. There are things people most often forget. Certain things are just on the list. Number one, names. They say that 83% of people forget names. Uh, Where something is. 60% of people forget where something is. Uh, Telephone numbers, 57% of people forget that. And I believe if we would take that poll again, it's getting worse and worse with all of our iPhones because let's face it, we don't have to remember numbers too awfully much. And then there are words, words. We forget certain words, 53%. You know you're fishing for that perfect word, 53%. What was said Past tense. Ah, 49% forget what was said. Faces. 42% say they even forget faces. Now, if you can't remember whether, you know, uh, whether you've just done something or not, you have just now joined 38% of the population. Isn't that amazing? Hey, listen, I'll tell you right now, forgetting is pretty normal, isn't it? It's pretty common. We all forget things from time to time. That's just the way it is. Some more than others, but truthfully, we all do. Now, there are some things we just can't afford to forget, though. There are some things we need to be very careful not to forget. And this weekend, we're celebrating a national holiday that remembers our fallen uh, fallen heroes. It's been said that life hangs as nothing in the scale against dear liberty. And throughout the history of our country, There have been men and women who have sacrificed both life and limb for our freedoms. Their selfless sacrifices have been the seed plot of a nation of liberty. And for that we are grateful, at least I hope we are. I mean, their blood watered the soil of freedom so that each American could enjoy it today. Memorial Day is a time to remember. It's a time to contemplate what America and its citizens have done and what they've lost and gained. And over the span of this nation's history, more than a million soldiers have given their lives for the cause of freedom. We can put flowers on each of the graves. We can count the markers. We can adorn the spots with American flags, but we can never count the lost dreams or the unfulfilled hopes or even the broken hearts that so many have experienced as a result. On this Memorial Day, you and I, really, we, we can't forget the price that was paid, the lives that were given, the sacrifices made by so many to provide us a nation of freedom. Take the time to honor them, to exercise with fervency even the rights that they died for. We are giving, if we're not careful, we will give up those rights so easily. And yet they came at a great cost and tremendous price. How important is remembering? How important is remembering? This point of remembering is so vital, it's so crucial and so important that God directs you and I to remember as well. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5, Verse 15, the Bible says, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, 
that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Early on in the word of God, the creator, the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, says, remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you were. Don't forget the bondage that you once were enslaved in. Don't forget. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, again, the Bible tells us, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Long after he led you out of Egypt, you'd found yourself in a wilderness, and for 40 years you traveled and wandered there. Don't forget those 40 years, how God provided and protected for you. Don't forget those 40 years. As much as you may wish to forget them, you cannot forget them. You must remember. Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will shew thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. God again reminding the people of God to remember the days of old, to remember how he interacted and interceded on their behalf. <clears throat> Don't forget what I've done for you. Talk to the old men. Talk to the older ladies. Talk to people who have seen me at work. We know in the book of Joshua, there was a generation that arose that knew not Joshua or the mighty works that God had done. And as a result of that, they departed from God himself. In Deuteronomy, they're being reminded, long before Joshua came on the scene, indeed, don't forget. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, verse 13 again, he says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Say, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Don't forget those things that you have read and that you've heard from the Word of God and from the mouth of the prophet. Don't forget what I've done for you and don't forget that everything that you have is a direct result of my goodness in your life. In Job chapter 36, verse 24, he says, Remember that thou magnify his work which men behold. If I have done anything for you, God says, if I have done anything at all for you, then you remember it and you share it with others. That I might be exalted and magnified in the eyes of others so that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Psalm chapter 105, verse 5. He says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. What wonderful works he's done. In the lowest times, in the most difficult times of our lives, he says, remember what he has already done. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. How often and how difficult it is even for young people to remember. Life has yet to have caught up with them. They're still beginning in life. There's very few memories yet. And yet he says, remember your creator. Remember where you came from. Remember, you have no breath, no life without me. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
when it is tempting to leave me, when it's easy to walk away, when it's difficult to stand. You remember your Creator. John 15, 20, he says, remember the word that I said unto you. Speaking to his disciples, he says, don't forget. Don't forget all those things I've shared with you. Don't forget those times we sat around the campfire. Don't forget how I did this and did that. Don't you forget what I shared. Remember. Remember. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, we hear the apostle saying, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Remember what it was like before you came to me. Remember how it was so hopeless. Remember how you meandered through this dark world trying to find your way. And one day I came on the scene and lit up the path. Gave you hope, help, and a future. Remember. Remember what it was like without me. Remember what it was like on your own. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Don't forget, he says, and remember always that when it seemed I was out, I was very much in control. When it seemed all was lost, I was waiting to rise again. Boy, in our own lives, how many times have we felt that it was all over? Can I tell you, it's resurrection time. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. He says, remember, I'm coming back. You've heard. You've received truth. You know that I live today, and I'm coming back. Remember. Well, how important is remembering? Throughout the Word of God, we are told to remember. Take your Bible, would you please, and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The church has what's called ordinances. We have two of them that we recognize. One of those is called baptism. Every time someone enters into the baptistry, it is a picture of something. It is a pointed picture of Jesus Christ's death, His burial, and His resurrection. 
Every time a person goes into the water, it represents the death of Jesus Christ. All the way in, all the way under, and as he comes out, it represents the resurrection of Christ. It's a picture, a time of remembrance. Not only does it remind us of what Christ did for us, but it reminds us of what has transpired in our lives. We died with Jesus Christ, was buried and raised to walk in newness of life, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It's a picture, therefore it is something that is to recall a memory, to point us back to that day when Jesus died on Calvary to pay for our sins and rose again the third day, to remind us of the finished work of Christ. Not only is there the ordinance of baptism, but there is the ordinance now as we are going to read about the Lord's Supper. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 23. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. He doesn't tell us that we have to have it every week. He doesn't tell us we have to take the Lord's Supper every day. He doesn't tell us we have to take it every month. He doesn't tell us when, but he does say when we do this. You do this in remembrance of me. It's to show the Lord's death till he come. It's a reminder again of all that Christ gave up and all that Christ did on our behalf. It's a remembrance. Every time we take that little wafer and put it in our mouth, every time we drink that little cup of, of juice, every time we do those things, we are remembering what Christ did, His shed blood and His broken body. And we're saying we're waiting for you to come back. Our life is focused on heaven. Our life is pointed toward the sky. We're waiting for you to come back, Jesus. We're looking for you to return. Do this in remembrance of me. Boy, how important is remembering? How important is remembering? So what are some things we need to remember? I believe we need to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, as has been already mentioned. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down His life for us, the Bible says. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. 
Nobody made me hang on a cross. Nobody forced me to die that day. I willingly laid down my life for you. I loved you that much. I cared for you that much. And I longed to be with you that much. We are to remember always the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was rich, but he became poor. Why? For us. So that we could become rich. He hung on Calvary between heaven and earth, naked with nails in his hands and feet, bleeding and dying on our behalf. Why? Because he loved us that much. He didn't deserve to die. We did. But he died in our place. He paid for our sin. Boy, we need to remember. How important is it that we remember? Remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember the salvation of the Lord. Boy, I'm glad Jesus died on Calvary. I'm glad that he suffered and bled on my behalf. I hate the the picture of it and I hate the vision of it. And every time I read about it, my heart breaks and I can't help often to have a tear come out the side of my eye. But my friend, I'm thankful that God died for me. I'm thankful that he was buried. And I'm thankful that he rose again. Because now I can be saved. I can be saved, and so can you. But we need, to be, we need to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, yes, but I hope you can remember the salvation of the Lord in your life. How sad is it for folks to walk into Community Baptist Temple and then to leave the same way? How sad is it to hear the truth that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, that the gospel's been given to all the world, and that they need only receive and accept Him in order to be saved, and yet they walk out the same, dead in their spirit, and going to hell. Oh God, help them see that there's a salvation that can deliver them from the bondage of sin and from the eternal destination of hell to a place where Jesus himself rules and reigns and forever will exist with his saints. Ephesians chapter 2, turn there, would you please? Ephesians chapter 2, 1, we are thankful for the word of God that once again reminds us of our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 1, and then we'll jump to verse 4. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, And you hath he quickened. That phrase, hath he quickened, means made alive. The truth is, is that back in the Garden of Eden, all those years ago, when Adam sinned, mankind died to God. Mankind was a three cylinder creature, if you will, body, soul, spirit, but something happened in that spirit. It died to God. Therefore, man could no longer communicate with God. Man was dead to God. And may I say that if you don't have Christ in your life, you are still tripartite. You still have three parts, but only two are working properly. Your body and your soul are working like they're intended to, but your spirit is dead to God and you cannot communicate with God. You say, I pray to God every night. He's not listening. You say, he's not? No, because you are dead in your spirit. If I took a, a, a phone and, 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 and years ago, years ago, we used to have phones that had cords. 
they actually hung on walls. And you would pull that phone handle off there and you would dial. Remember those. Can I tell you that if you cut that line to that, and you held that, you could hold that phone handle to your ear all day long, you could talk till the cows came home, but nobody was listening because the line was cut. And you may have a cell phone in your pocket or purse and you could go out today and you could be talking to your family or friends and that cell tower goes down and all of a sudden you will lose connection. Can I tell you that when we died that day because of sin, we lost connection with God and the only way to restore that connection is through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here in the book of, uh, uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and you hath he quickened or made alive unto God who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead in sins. Now you're alive in Christ. I wish everybody could reach God. I wish nobody would ever go to hell. But I can't change the word of God and neither can you. Because it's his book, not mine. I can't rewrite it, do no good, because it's already written in heaven. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Boy, there's a couple of things very quickly in the passage. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath, again, quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. How does he make us quickened? How do we become alive in Christ? By no means of yourself. It's all grace. Unmerited favor. There's not one thing you can do to earn God's favor or to be accepted in his beloved. You must simply receive and accept his son and the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And so must I. It's all grace. It's what he did for us, not what we can do. For by grace are ye saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You may not be seated physically in his presence, but my friend, the day you trust Christ, you are seated with him in heaven in spiritual places. You're as good as there already, amen? So am I. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember the salvation of the Lord. And number three, remember the supernatural work of God. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Remember the supernatural work. Remember that God implanted His Holy Ghost, that He lives inside you, that He's taken up permanent residency. And every ounce of strength that you possess today, my friend, is all because what God is doing in your life. Man, He's doing a supernatural work, not only in your life, but in the lives of others around you if you'll yield yourself and give yourself to Jesus. And we look around us and we see what God has done here in our buildings. We see what God has done in the lives and the homes of others. We see what God is doing so many times around the world and even places where he's not permitted to be preached. And we say, it's God. It's all God. The giants of this life will try to squelch the 
testimony of the saints. But God's bigger. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember the salvation of the Lord. Remember the supernatural work of God. And remember the soon return of Jesus. Boy, he's coming again. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Let's start in verse 1. I like that one too. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I want you to know he's coming back. Verse 6. Notice what he says to us. Then he admonishes the believer there in Thessalonica. Therefore, let us not sleep as others as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He said, man, you're going to have all kind of time when you get to heaven to relax and take it easy. You're going to have all kind of time to sit back and rejoice. But my friend, you're on earth right now, and there is a mission and there is a purpose for your existence. You be busy about my work. You tell others about me. Don't fall asleep in this age and dispensation. You stay awake and serve the risen Savior. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Keep your eye on the sky. Never forget I'm coming back, he says. Never forget. Remember. Remember. Remember is the message we hear from the Word of God so often. It's interesting what that remembering does in our lives, isn't it? That remembering will keep us humble, but it will also keep us grateful. Yeah, it will keep us humble, but it will also keep us grateful. It's gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he'd He'd return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man, and he'd feed them from his bucket. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission on a B-17 to deliver a very important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, that flying fortress became, the lo- became lost and, 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 and could not be reached by radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent a number of sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine by five, the sharks ten feet. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved more formidable. That was starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would literally take a miracle to sustain them. 
and a miracle occurred. <clears throat> In Captain Eddie's own words, he said, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, he said he read the service that afternoon. They had church. In the middle of the sea, no food, being ramped by sharks, they still had church. Read the service that afternoon and was finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Now this is still Captain Rickenbacker talking, of course, and he goes on to say, something landed on my head. I knew that it was a seagull. I mean, I didn't know how I knew. I just knew. Everybody else knew, too. No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that gall. The gall meant food. If I could catch it, it meant food. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gall. Its, fresh, its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used to, to, as bait to catch fish. And those survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because of a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, who offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie made it. And now you also know that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp to feed the gulls to remember that one, that one gall which on a day long past gave itself without a struggle like manna in the wilderness. Captain Eddie Rittenbacher never forgot the sacrifice of that lone seagull. May you and I never forget the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God 2,000 years ago. What will your gratitude compel you to do on behalf of the Savior? Captain Eddie Rittenbacher's, his, his gratitude for a seagull caused him to go out every night and feed the gulls. What will your gratitude and my gratitude compel us to do on behalf of our Savior, our Lord? I wonder, will it compel you to be saved if you haven't been? Will you say, oh, I'm so grateful that Jesus Christ died for me and paid for my sin, that I'll be saved. Jesus said, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. 
I'm going to come to him. I'm so thankful that he died for me. I'm so deserving hell. I love the fact that he died for me, and I'm so grateful that I'll be saved today. Will it compel you to be saved? Will it compel you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? To give the best that you have, not just your leftovers? Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be the... Thank you, sir. We appreciate your comments. Would you please exit the building, please? It's all over your body, your expensive suits, your expensive I know. Thank you, sir. May you please make your way out the door. Somebody, if, if, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. Will it compel you to surrender? Will it compel you to surrender? I mean, you're all, you're everything, the very best, as we said, not just your leftovers. Everything's all right in my Father's house. It's okay. He's in control. We need to pray for that man. He's very confused. Just a child that God created. I hope he's a child of God. But today, are you a child of God? Better settle that one. But will this gratitude compel you to surrender? Let me ask you this. Will it compel you to serve? You've been saved by the blood of Christ. You've surrendered yourself to Christ. It's time to serve the Lord then. Will your gratitude cause you to serve? And finally, will it compel you to stand? Man, I'll tell you, the world is changing, isn't it? And I want to encourage you to stand. I know in my own life, it's not always easy, is it? And in yours, you find the same challenges. But we need to remember. Always remember what Christ has done. Always remember. And may that memory compel us to be saved if we haven't been, to surrender if we have, to serve and to stand as God intended. What will you do with Jesus? Will you remember today? Will you remember? He's such a wonderful God, isn't he? Little Cor says, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Hasn't he been good to us? I don't know what you're going through in your life. but We serve a wonderful God, a good God, a glorious God, a great God. Let's remember. Let's remember. Father, we come to you.
We thank you again for this time we've had together. Lord, we pray for that gentleman just a moment ago. But Lord, we also need to pray for ourselves. Father, like the song says, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Oh, Father, maybe we've forgotten what you've done for us. Maybe we have allowed the world to enamor us, to distract us from you and your purpose and cause for our life. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to get off track or to be misguided. Help us, Lord, we pray. Father, may our gratitude compel us to surrender our life. May it compel us to serve you, to, to stand. May we give our very best to you because you've given your best for us. And as we remember that and we're reminded regularly and daily and consistently, may we continue to give our best to you. Again, Lord, I pray for those that have yet to receive and accept you as Savior. In 2 Corinthians, you tell us, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you don't know Christ today, will you come to him today? You'd say, preacher, I don't know for sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. That's me. I don't have that settled. I can't say for sure heaven's my home. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Let me pray for you. I don't know that for sure. Would you slip your hand up? Let me pray for you. I don't have that settled in my life, preacher. I don't know if I died right now, if I'd go to heaven. I can't say that 100%. I see your hand. Put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't have that settled. I don't know that for sure. If you don't have it settled, you can settle it. It's simple faith. It's believing in what God's word teaches. It's what he said. It's not what you can do. It's what he's already done. Amen. Won't you come? Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, please.